This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. My name is Antonio Garcia, and this program is being broadcast on stolen indigenous land. Tonight, we highlight the importance of voting and engaging with the 2020 election. We bring you into the civic engagement event hosted by the New Mexico Public Interest Research Group, or NMPIRG. We'll hear from Alia Quintana, president of the UNM Pre-Law Society, Joe Stars, communication and journalism track director of the Fund for American Studies, Mia Amin, ASUNM president, Rodney Bowe, director of the UNM Men of Color Initiative, Madeline Pukiri, UNM student and writer for The Daily Lobo, and Sean Floyd, CEO of Nomadic Solutions Political Consulting and adjunct professor at George Washington University. The discussion is moderated by Andrew Schumann, Campus Relations Coordinator for NMPIRG. All right, welcome everyone to NMPIRG's Civic Engagement Series. So my name is Andrew Schumann. I was the chief organizer of this event and I'm the campus relations coordinator for New Mexico PIRG. We are a nonpartisan statewide organization that helps students make an impact on the issues that we care about. We work with professional staff to educate the public, run grassroots campaigns and advocate for students in the public. This fall, we're running something called the New Voters Project. Young people make up the largest and most diverse group of potential voters in the country, all with their own values, ideas, and issues that we care about. Um, so we can make a huge impact on the November election, but only if we use our votes. So that brings us to today. This is our civic engagement series. Uh, we've assembled an all-star cast of speakers, uh, some professionals and some students who have all been heavily involved in civics, and they're going to talk to us about uh, why they think the youth vote and youth participation in civics is important. So without further ado, we will move to our first speaker, uh, Miss Alia Quintana. Alia, take it away. Hello, my name is Alia Quintana and I'm a junior here at the University of New Mexico. I major in political science and minor in Africana studies and upon graduation, I plan to attend law school and become a civil rights lawyer. Right now, I am the current sitting president of UNM's Pre-Law Society. I am also serving on Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's Council for Racial Justice in the Public Safety and Law Enforcement Subcommittee. And I can say right now, with the utmost confidence that we as a state will serve as a blueprint for other states to follow suit in how we see policing. We are currently setting both short and long-term goals of how we can change decades worth of systemic racism within policing practices. And we plan to make legislative change as early as January. In following this, I am also preparing to um, conduct my first research study upon IRB approval through the Research Institute for Scholars of Equity, also known as RISE. By the beginning of next year, I'll be examining the educational inequities most prevalent within urban high schools and how they affect African-American students from 9th through 12th grade and how we can implement a culturally relevant pedagogy and hopefully start to see the achievement gap narrow and eventually close. But it wasn't until this year that I finally understood the immense power and importance of youth engagement within politics actually was. Yes, I've educated myself on these issues, but it came to a point where just educating myself wasn't enough. I felt compelled to be more politically involved in any shape or form. 
but I then tussled with many questions like, where do I start or how do I even get involved? How do I use my voice to speak out about the issues that deeply affect me and the communities in which I reside? And right now, the biggest tool that must be utilized is your vote. For new first time voters, your vote is exactly your first step in becoming involved and politically engaged. But we must also understand that that work does not stop after November 3rd. Youth civic engagement ensures that our agenda is being upheld by those in power. In 2018 alone, youth voter turnout for midterm elections was the highest it has ever been, and we made history. So our generation understands the power we hold, especially when we use our vote. But I also understand when politics at many times has felt daunting. Many, including myself, have asked, are we making the right decision, the right vote? Many of us, especially within Gen Z, we all see a future to get to. But in order to understand where we are going, in order to envision a future that is sustainable and a society that truly values the lives of every single group of marginalized people and to embody the saying that Black Lives Matter, we must understand the past. Understanding the past provides us with a roadmap of where we want to go and move forward together as a society. What we hold true as a society very much rests on the hands of this election. And through utilizing our votes, we all can embody agents of change. But we must continue being agents of change in ensuring the state of our future. This means staying involved and aware of the issues that affect us and our communities, or protesting, or even as simple as continuing to educate ourselves on social and political issues. And by ensuring the state of our future, we also ensure the state of the future of the upcoming generation. Our generation has to make sure that we open those doors and keep them open for the next generations to come. So for everyone, especially young and new voters, I can't stress this enough, make a voting plan now. Whether you plan to go vote with friends, organize a time for you all to go vote together. If you are planning to vote early, know the polling locations and the closing times or if you don't feel safe to vote in person due to COVID-19 circumstances, request an absentee ballot and return to your local county clerk as soon as possible. You have until 5 p.m. on Tuesday, October 20th to request absentee ballots. If you are looking to become a poll worker because of the poll worker shortage, I highly encourage you to vote early so that you can ensure that your vote has already been counted. And you then can ensure to the other individuals who decide to vote on November 3rd that theirs will be counted as well. We all understand the immensity of this pivotal moment in history. We are the future. And I truly believe that it will be our generation, Generation Z, who will bring the long needed and lasting change that will impact all of our futures. This is the time to use our voice and show up at the voting booths like never before. We are strength in numbers. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Thank you, Aaliyah. Excellent, excellent speech. Our second speaker uh, is the Director of Journalism and Communications Track and U.S. Programs at the Fund for American Studies. He's also the former Vice President of Communications for Veritas Media Group and is a pretty cool guy all around. I give you Joe Stars. Uh, well, hi, everybody. I'm glad to be the youngest person on the call here today. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, I uh, wanted to thank Andrew for organizing this, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself first. So I'm originally from New Mexico. was born in Las Vegas, not too far from Albuquerque, but then I grew up in uh, on the Navajo Indian Reservation, about three hours west of Albuquerque. 
but I've been in Washington, D.C. Uh, for almost 30 years, and I started off as a re reporter, political reporter. I covered Capitol Hill, and now I run an academic internship program uh, called the Fund for American Studies. I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, that later, but um, I just kind of want to build on a little bit about what Aliyah said, and to, it's really important when it comes to voting to know where we've come or where we've been uh, so we can know where we're going. You know, if you look at the history of voting in the United States, it used to be something that only white guys who own property could, could, uh, could do. But over the years, slowly, painfully, a lot of sweat, a lot of blood, people died so that we would have the right to vote, you know. And even when laws were enacted, even when uh, the 15th Amendment to the, of the Constitution was enacted that allowed uh, former enslaved people to vote, people of color, that still was still a hundred year struggle to, for, for the right uh, to really, really vote. You know, women uh, didn't get the right to vote until uh, 1920, a hundred years ago. And then uh, the 24th Amendment uh, in 1964 that outlawed poll taxes, it's been a struggle all along the way. And so it's, it's important to see that, that struggle and to see that people uh, throughout our history have suffered so we could get up in the morning on election day and, and cast our ballot. When I wake up on election day, I have a sense of really of awe that uh, I have the privilege of getting up and, and having my voice heard. And uh, I also think that it's really important to see voting as not only a, a, a right, but a responsibility part of what I would encourage you uh, students is to, you know, give a little peer pressure when it comes to getting other folks to vote. You know, I'm a 50 year old bald white guy. I'm not going to have any, any influence on, on young people, but you guys have influence on your peers. So don't be afraid to speak out and say, Hey guys, you know, this is really important. Not only is this important in election year, but it's a, it's something that a lot of people have, uh, have paid a high price. Uh, uh, in order for us to do this. I remember when I grew up on the Navajo Nation seeing old elderly Navajo uh, men and women get in their pickup trucks and drive hours and hours uh, from their homes just to be able to vote, you know, in the dead of winter. And, uh, you know, if people uh, who, who can do that, certainly uh, we can get up in the morning and go and vote. So I really think if just reflecting on the responsibility and the privilege of, of voting is so important. And uh, all of you young people on this call are very engaged, you're very committed. Uh, so your challenge is to take that commitment, that engagement and, and get your peers, regardless of where they are on the political spectrum, just reach out to as many of them as you can. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about <clears throat> briefly in, in terms of voting is leadership. Voting is, part and parcel of that leadership. And so as you go forward in your careers, think of yourself as leaders. Oftentimes students, they think of themselves as, you know, well, I'm this, I'm that. But if you start to think of yourself, hey, I'm a leader. And if you start thinking and, and acting like a leader, people are gonna follow you and you're gonna have more influence. So uh, leadership's important in, in, within the context of civic engagement, within the context of, of, of voting. 
And uh, the other point I wanted to make is that it, it's important to be an informed voter, right? Uh, remember Spider-Man's uh, stepfather said to him, with great power comes responsibility. That's true when it comes to voting. Uh, so, you know, do your best to read up on the issues. And it's important to know wherever you are on the political spectrum, know what the arguments of the other side is, right? You're not gonna be an informed voter if you cannot articulate the arguments of the other side. Then the last thing I just wanted to mention about um, the way my program is structured here in Washington, D.C. is uh, we offer internships in Washington, D.C. with the goal of engaging young people and helping them to become the leaders that they want to be. And so uh, doing an internship, like I think a lot of you are doing right now, is a great way to get civically engaged, get some experience, get education, and to, uh, and to really you know, become that leader um, that, that uh, the world needs right now. The world is dying for leadership and uh, you guys are the future. You, you guys are the future leaders of this country. And so if any of you are interested in um, coming to DC, go to dcinternships.org, that's our website. Um, you guys have a secret weapon that I don't have and I call it the enthusiasm of youth. Uh, pe people want to be around young people because we, you guys get us engaged. You guys get, get us excited. That's why we have 350 students who do our program every summer and we, we find them internships. And, and, and the people who take these interns, they get excited because they get the youth gets, uh, brings energy to the office, energy to whether you're on, on Capitol Hill or wherever for the media. So use that enthusiasm. Uh, to your advantage uh, when you go forward. And uh, in, these, in these next uh, few weeks before the election day, you know, talk to everybody you meet. Hey, make sure you go out to vote and uh, don't be afraid, don't be shy, just uh, get out there. And uh, again, think of yourselves as leaders and um, you know, people will listen and uh, you'll be surprised what can happen. Thank you, Joe. All right, our next speaker is president of ASUNM, Mrs. Mia Amin. Hi everybody. Okay, so first I want to begin by thanking you all for being here. Um, it is truly an honor to be giving a speech right now next to some of the most well-educated and well-known people that I know, like Mr. Rodney Bow. He's someone I've looked up to since my freshman year, and it's kind of crazy to think that I'm here with him. Um, so thank you all for being here, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Um, but before I get into my speech, I want to give like a quick disclaimer. Um, I personally cannot vote. So you might be wondering why someone who cannot vote is giving you a speech on the importance of voting. And you wouldn't be wrong to question that. I myself question that. But I think it is important for me to acknowledge and for you all to acknowledge that there are a lot of people that don't understand what a true privilege it is to be able to vote. Um, in one of the biggest economies and one of the biggest democracies, um, in this world. So also, it's also important to acknowledge that as college students, we have so many resources out there to help us educate ourselves and our peers. So New Mexico Perg does a wonderful job here to not like register us to vote, but there's also re resources out there um, to help us educate ourselves on like the polling stations, like what times are open, um, what the candidates are and stuff like that. Um, so as you all have heard from people that have talked before me, um, and I'm sure you will hear from people that will talk after me, it is incredibly important to vote. That's why we're here, right? Um, but I'm going to use my time to kind of talk about my story a little bit um, and hopefully urge you to vote in the process. So my name is Mia Amin and I'm an international student from India. 
And I moved here about three years ago from um, a small city in India called Vadodara to attend UNM. Um, now, as you can imagine, like, let's all take a quick moment to like think of like the challenges that an average college student faces, right, when they transition from high school to college. When you think of that, like multiply that by 10, and that's right about how international students feel, right? But despite that, I chose to go get involved in my community, which happened to be UNM. So I became a part of Lobothon, which is a fundraising organization at UNM and helped fundraise over $100,000 um, in a span of one year. It was a completely student-led initiative. Um, I was a new student orientation leader and helped welcome about 6,000 like freshmen and transfer students over the course of two summers. And I'm not listing all of the, these things to flex on you guys or anything, but it's to point out that through all of these experiences, the one thing that I realized is that change does not come easy, right? That's why I decided to run for ASU and president, to be your student body president, um, was because of that, because I thought that I could bring different perspectives or different experiences to the table and be kind of like an agent of change in, in some capacity. And for some crazy reason, the students like chose to vote me in. So thank you for that. But in this position, it has become even more apparent that change truly doesn't come easy. Um, I couldn't tell you the number of times that students and members within ASUNM have reached out to me and asked me like, hey, can you like talk about this with President Stokes? Or like, could you talk about this with Post Holloway? Like this, this, this is like the 10,000 things that I have to complain about. But like the real question is like, what are you doing about it? We can all sit back and complain about the things wrong with UNM or the things wrong in our political climate of this country, but what are we doing about it? Um, to me, I think voting is one of the easiest things to do. It is you exercising your right to vote. It is you standing up for what you believe in. And I personally don't care who you vote for. Your beliefs can be very different than mine. Um, but the point is to get out there and make your voice heard and to participate in this community. And now some of you might be wondering, like, what do we do if you don't know like much about politics? Well, then it is our job to get educated, right? Um, like I said, there are so many resources out there to do so. And shameless plug, um, ASCNM Governmental Affairs is going to be doing a voter education drive. And we're going to be talking about, again, like the polling stations, like the candidates, what times, like how to request an absentee ballot and stuff like that. So like, again, the first step here is to register to vote. And I highly encourage you to do it. And if you don't do it for yourself, then do it for your international friend or your undocumented friend who doesn't have that privilege. But thank you again for having me here. Thank you, Mia. Our next speaker is the director for the Men of Color Initiative at UNM and a board member with the ACLU of New Mexico. I present to you, Mr. Rodney Bow. Thank you, thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here to, uh, to give conversation about voting. And who am I? Um, I was born in Los Angeles, California and grew up in a military family environment, living in uh, Frankfurt, Germany minor North Dakota, and finally retiring in the great metropolis of Roswell, New Mexico. I can deeply remember our black and white TV being focused on presidential races and other political events, as well as the moonwalk and several other extraordinary events of our time. I truly remember being intrigued as to why my parents were so fixated on what I could call political events and what was transpiring to shape our nation and our world. Each election cycle would bring periods of time in our household where we would be intentionally entrenched in the races at hand. And I vividly remember my parents discussing what the outcomes might be 
in particular for people of color. When I headed off to college at age 17, I thought that I would have much less of the political aspects of life, but I found myself tied to the same quest for information about who was running, what they were promising, and the effects of the particular candidates winning, and how would it impact our society, in particular, again, people of color. I'm not sure when I participated in my first, first voting cycle, but I do remember it was overwhelming. And luckily, I had mentors who, who were tied to education to prod me to participate. They educated me about the struggle in our history of voting rights and how people sacrifice for everyone to have the right to vote. They encouraged me to make sure that I continue to be a part of the democratic process and the value of civil and human rights and democracy. Democracy. I recently became curious as to the definition of democracy and what it meant to, for me as well as the rest of our country. I rediscovered that the United States is both a republic and a democracy with both forms of government having power to reside in its citizens. That capability, that wonderful mechanism resides in those citizens who have the power to elect representation that will govern according to the laws set forth by its citizens through again their representation. Let's get a clearer definition of democracy straight from Merriam-Webster. And I'm not trying to be a, an instructor here or professor, but I thought this was really important. 1A, government by the people, especially rule of the majority. 1B, a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation, usually involving periodically held free elections. Number two, a political unit that has a democratic government. Um, number three, the common people, especially when constituting the source of political authority. And number four, the absence of the hereditary or arbitrary class distinctions or privileges. Wow, I really thought that one of these distinctions stuck out for me, which was being um, a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation, usually involving periodically held free elections. I know our country has struggled at times to make the, this democratic process available to everyone, to make sure, to sure that there's equity and inclusion in the equation, to ensure that every woman, man, peoples from all different backgrounds and intersectionalities have the right to participate in the election and the decision-making processes and move our country forward in exercising freedom for everyone. What a profound and fundamental idea. But what if only certain segments of our society votes? What happens if the voice of a generation is left out or not heard? How is our democracy affected if women are not included in the conversation and practice? How important is it to hear the richness of thought, the newness and the energy of the youth voice? The youth voice, the youth vote is vital and necessary. And without it, we have the potential of becoming a, a nation of stale and stagnant thought. Our country at this time desperately needs the power, ingenuity and integrity and morality of the young mind to challenge old thought and rejuvenate the very fabric of our society. This has been a standard throughout our history in this country, in particular, in the struggle for civil and human rights for all. The youth vote holds and moves the power to change inequities and injustices. 
Look at our protests and movements today. Each generation has the capacity to see clearer than the previous. Each election cycle, we come together to bring individuals and ideas into power who will represent as close as possible our own value system. There is no perfect candidate, just like there is no perfect relationship. There's no time to waste though. I ask you to reach out to your peers and to utilize the means we have before us to make a change. Now is the time. As many of you know, there are challenges to our election cycle. This is nothing new. In order to combat these challenges, educate yourself on the processes and vote early. Don't wait till November the 3rd. Make sure that anyone in your circle, all of your friends around you, your family, make sure they're registered to vote and they do so. Each and every person's vote is critical. There's a lot at stake for our community, the environment, social and racial justice, LGBTQ rights, women's rights, religious rights, as well as freedoms in general that we can take for granted. The youth vote has the power, the knowledge, the compassion, integrity, morality, and empathy to make a difference. Please vote. You just heard Alia Quintana, Joe Stars, Mia Amin, and Rodney Bow, all speakers for the Civic Engagement event hosted by New Mexico Public Interest Research Group, or NMPIRG. Now, we hear from Madeline Pukiti, a UNM student and writer for The Daily Lobo, and Sean Floyd, CEO of Nomadic Solutions Political Consulting and adjunct professor at George Washington University. Our next speaker is a good friend of mine. She's a freshman at UNM studying political science and journalism, and she's a reporter for the Daily Lobo, Madeline Pukiti. Hi, um, my name is Madeline Pukiti, and Andrew asked me to speak today, and I'm incredibly honored to be included. And my political experiences come mostly from time I've spent working on congressional campaign teams, specifically that of Dean Phillips, who is my um, national congressman back home in Minnesota. And I've also spent a fair amount of time dotting around local state legislators' campaign teams. And that on the state level is honestly where I see the most impact can be made in politics today. Um, on the state level, you get candidates who are more likely to listen to your concerns as an individual and a key factor in any democracy is you have to trust the people you elect in office, but also they have to listen to you. The elected politicians work for the people. And on the state level is where you can most directly see this because of the smaller districts. Also, these elections can be extremely close calls, giving your vote a ton of power. For example, Jensen won over Munster by only 21 votes in a Connecticut House race. And in an Ohio Senate state Senate race, Schmidt lost to Niehaus by only 22 votes, and a Montana State House representative's election ended with Winham winning by only seven votes. So your vote has a lot of power on the local level, but also it's just easier to get in contact with your state representatives and senators. Often your state representative can be your neighbor, but it's a neighbor who has the power to also write legislation that will directly impact you. And the legislation they write oftentimes cannot be written at a federal level, meaning these issues could matter more to you or more directly impact you. So you should really care about down ballot elections a lot 
in addition to caring about national congressional elections and presidential elections, which are also crazy important. A big component of what I did for the Phillips campaign team was voter outreach and making sure that Dean Phillips showed up to community events and making sure his constituents had an opportunity to get to know the person who is representing them in Washington, D.C. And this is why I think it's so important to do research on the people who you vote for. So then you have people representing you who you know will put in the work to get to know you and what you care about. If you research and vote wisely, we can make sure that there are familiar faces in Congress. So it's not just a room of white men in suits, but a room filled with people who reflect the country as a whole. Representation is supposed to be a reflection of the population. So let's vote and actually make Congress a representation of the United States. And just plain and simple vote. I mean, it's crazy how low the young voter turnout is. And not to be blunt, but honestly, it'll affect us, Gen Z, a lot longer than the older generations because we'll live to see the aftermath of who is put in office and we'll have to clean up, figuratively speaking, whatever mess they make. So voting in a sense is about being proactive and doing it for the future and future generations. And according to the census in 2018, only 35% of 18 to 29 year olds turned out to vote. The 65 plus crowd pulled 66% out to vote. So we should at least try to match them. And a common reason I hear for people not voting is that their singular vote won't affect the outcome that much or the incumbent will always win. So what's the point? And I think with my arguments earlier about state elections that your vote can have so much power, but also, yes, there are statistics that it is harder to vote out an incumbent representative or candidate. Statistics are still based off of people not voting, meaning that if we actually got out and voted, we could change that. We can make it normal to vote out an incumbent if we wanted to and actually voted. Also, I wanna to touch on after the election. We have rights guaranteed in the Constitution, these including the right to vote, but also in the Constitution, we have our First Amendment right. We have the right to say what we want and protest. So vote and send in your mail-in ballot or show up to the polls in your mask. But if your candidate does not win, never forget that, that the person in office at any level is still working for you and you are still a citizen and one of their constituents. And if they are doing something you don't agree with, make sure that you let them know, whether that's calling them up or taking it to the streets and protesting. Know your rights and letting them know you're angry and that you have the power to change how the government is run and who's running it. So hold your elected officials accountable. And the first step to this is voting. So show up, but don't stop caring after the election. Thank you, Maddie. All right, our last speaker, but certainly not least, is the CEO of Nomadic Solutions, a political consulting firm and an adjunct professor at George Washington University, Mr. Sean Floyd. Thank you, Andrew. Um, thank you and your team for putting this together. Thank you to all the students who are participating um, in the section today. In the session today, uh, I apologize because, of course, this is going to be a little bit repetitive. The speakers before me just basically summed up everything that I had. Um, but again, I also feel like you can never hear this information enough, right? It is very important that we get out here and exercise our right to vote, that we become civically engaged, and we participate in the electorate in every way, in shape, form, or fashion. Um, that we can to influence what happens not only now, but also in our future. Um, as Andrew said, I'm the CEO of Nomadic Solutions. It's a political management uh, consulting firm, um, and I'm also adjunct professor at George Washington University, where I teach a class on campaigns and elections. Uh, one of the things that I really love about my class is, of course, that it is made up of students from both sides of the political spectrum. 
Um, so in essence, it keeps me young. It keeps me engaged. It keeps me connected to what's going on, how the electorate is changing and moving forward, um, but also what interests and issues really matter to the youth voter. Um, I'm going to leave you with basically three things today. Um, again, I graduated from St. Mary's College of Maryland. I have a bachelor's degree in political science um, with a minor in African diaspora studies similar to Aaliyah. I am also a first-generation college grad on both sides of my family, and nobody in my family does politics. Um, so you can imagine I become the go-to guy for anything or any question about a bill, about legislation, about who's running for office, about why did this person do that, um, which I imagine many of you also become that same type of person for your family or friends. And believe it or not, that is okay. One of the first things I want to leave you with is, of course, like everyone has been saying, utilize your voice, right? In 2020, we're expected to, or the youth vote is expected to make up at least 37% of the actual vote. So since 2016, roughly 15 million people have become eligible to vote that qualify as youth voters. That's a large number. That requires a lot of influence and power that youth don't necessarily realize they have, nor do they actually utilize. Um, one of the other things that I'll say is, again, a great way to get involved, not just in voting, but it's actually by volunteering on a campaign, right? One of the things about it is as youth, we wanna go out, we wanna spread our message, we wanna understand where people qualify, um, and, and how people receive our position on the issues. Joining campaigns are a great way to do that, but it's also a great way for you to practice expressing yourself and utilizing your voice. Uh, take an example of something as similar as phone banking, right? When you volunteer on a campaign and you wanna participate in a phone bank, you typically go in, they'll hand you a script of what you should be saying to voters, but everybody who does phone banking and gets more and more comfortable with it as they do it, have adjusted that script so that it reflects their values and their intentions while still accomplishing the conversation that the campaign wants to have with the potential voter. I think that is how we need to utilize our voices out here in the world period, right? There are certain topics and certain things that we will have some commonalities on, and there are other topics and things that we will differ um, and, and it's plain and simple that way. However, that difference is okay because what it does is put different perspectives in the atmosphere. And when you start to put different perspectives in the atmosphere, it allows you to have more conversation and engage with the electorate in a whole different way, as well as your friends, your family, and your neighbors. I think the second thing I will say is get uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. So as I said, I'm the political science major in my family. I have a degree in politics. And every time an election cycle comes around, my dad gets a ballot and he calls me. And he goes, hey, who should I vote for on this campaign? Whether it's a judge, whether it's a president, whoever. And he thinks because I work in politics that I'm just the guru and I know everything about everybody. As some of the other speakers have said, it's important to do your research. And that's what I tell my family and my friends. I tell them straight up, I can tell you who I would vote for and why I want to vote for them, but I also need you to do your research because we may not be voting for them for the same reason. We may be voting across the aisles. I'm a Democrat. Um, I vote in the state of Maryland. And last cycle, quite honestly, I voted for a Republican governor. Um, and quite honestly, it was because the Democratic candidate, I felt, 
um, who had our party's nomination was not adequate or fit to serve as the governor. And our current governor has not been bad, although I don't like many of the policies that he's put in place. He hasn't been bad enough to where he's made a, a big shift in the way our state operates and how we're taking care of the communities in the state of Maryland. So be okay with the uncomfortable. Third thing I'll say is become an opportunist, right? And the word opportunist has such a negative connotation, but if you really think about it, being an opportunist also means you're smart enough to take advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of you. One of those ways is by joining campaigns and volunteering and getting involved in your local civic groups, right? You may come in and start out as a phone banker and the more knowledgeable you become, the more engaged you become in the process will allow you to do other things around that campaign, but also allow you to figure out other ways to engage within your community because of the fact that you have more experience having some of these conversations. Um, and like I said, dealing with a little bit of the uncomfortable. I think the last big piece that I will hit on is what everybody says. The youth vote has power. We've clearly identified the numbers. It's there, it's, it's evolutionary. It always has been, as Rodney pointed out, when we look at civil disobedience and unrest, it's always been youth that have been out there leading the way in the charge. I won't say that there aren't other figures or older generations who are just as engaged and involved, but that momentum, that power, that enthusiasm that Joe referred to, that crowd building is typically been youth because we are the ones who typically go out and demand that change. And we have to be able to think about that change, not only in the short term, but also in the long term. So if we look at even in current times right now, we just lost a phenomenal Supreme Court justice. And at the end of the day, there's nobody that can sit here and tell me that in the beginning of her career, she saw herself evolving to become a Supreme Court justice. However, she saw the issues and the concerns and things that mattered to her that also affected the everyday lives of people across the country, across the world, in fact, and especially her number one demographic of women. And she played her part, she did. She set a great example for many of us on how to proceed moving forward. She's shown us a number of ways that we can become evolved from smaller levels um, of civic engagement to larger levels of civic engagement. So when we're looking at those things, we're now in a situation to where we're facing another appointment of a judge who's going to be on this bench for at least another 20 to 30 years um, in, in estimate at a minimum, right? This is going to have a longer term effect on how youth grow, evolve, build careers, build families, build relationships, um, how the government and systems work for them, how campaign finance dollars matter when it comes to expressing issues and things like that. So you have to not only look at what you can do in the short term, but look at what's happening in the short term that will also have those longer term effects. I will stop there and I can say, I'll turn it back over to Andrew and we can take any questions or however we need to proceed. All right, thank you, Sean. So we do have a couple of questions. The first one is from Ashley. She says, I am not a politics person, but I would like to start learning. What are some good websites or resources to keep myself informed? Your local news source websites are a great place to start. You know the pretty big name papers and things that are out there that have online access. Um, I also think it's important, as one of the other speakers mentioned, to read both sides of the spectrum. So don't just read a liberal newspaper or a liberal website. Also read the conservative newspaper or the conservative website, because this is going to shape that balance that we go on um, and, and how we move forward. 
And, uh, I would just recommend um, the website Real Clear Politics. It's an aggregator site. That's pretty good. And if you want to get a good, strong, left of center view of things, uh, the nation or the new republic and the national review on the right are too good, both sides uh, on, on either side of the spectrum. Uh, another question we have comes from Aaron. He says, if someone wanted to run for local office, say a city or a county office, what advice would you give them? Um, I guess I, I'll take this and anybody else could jump in. Um, I would say, first of all, never say I'm too young. Uh, do it uh, regardless. And um, I think one of the best things you can do is start um, attending the city council meetings or whatever body that you want to run for. Make sure you're familiar with that body, whether it's city council or whatever. There are a lot of resources about how to run an effective campaign uh, out there nowadays. There's a group here in Washington, D.C. called the Leadership Institute that gives uh, training for folks who want to run, uh, run in a campaign. But um, I would just say, uh, you know, get, get informed. Uh, don't be afraid of fundraising because you're going to have to do, be a fundraiser. You're going to have to raise money. So get over that fear of having to, to ask people uh, for money. And uh, the best thing you can do is, is knock on doors and, and just talk, talk, and talk, talk to everybody. Uh, you'd be surprised how many local young people got elected because they just knocked on door after door after door. The only thing I'd add to that um, is also do your research, right? I think your research is going to be crazy important. Look at that local campaign. Um, as Joe said, the only requirements that would make you too young is if you didn't meet the age threshold, threshold that's set by the law or when you can run for that office. Other than that, um, jump out there, do it, don't be afraid, even if you lose the first time. Uh, volunteering on a campaign will show you the mechanics of it. So if you can volunteer somewhere, learn how a, a campaign operation can or should be run. Um, and the last piece I'll say is keep in mind that national level politics and local level politics are two different types of campaigns. National campaigns are usually much larger. There's a lot more money that flows through um, and a lot more different levels of influence to whereas in your local campaigns, you can really get down and like I said, talk to voters um, that, you're, that, that you serving in office will affect on an everyday basis. You can actually do some research now by watching the candidates who are running they can show you what you really like about them running, and they can also show you what you don't want to be as a politician. Um, and I'll actually add this last most important piece, tell the truth. And if you don't know, it's okay to say you don't know. People will respect that more than giving them some hogwash. Make sure you have mentors. Mentors are critical in uh, dealing with politics. You want somebody that's going to tell you the truth and be objective and not tell you what you want to hear. On that note, if I can also add something real quick, um, I think it's also important to kind of like take a step back and think about why do you want to run for office too. Um, I don't know if the other panelists would agree, but um, if there's like a specific issue that you are concerned about is running for office or being in that position, like the best way to impact change in that role, or is it just for the title? Because if it is like, the people will know. Um, so I think it's also important to like take a step back and really think about like why you want to run for the office and what your priorities would be. 
I think those are all really, really good answers. Uh, this comes from Ella. What is the best mindset and way to have a conversation about politics and voting when talking to someone with opposing views without it turning into negative or a counterproductive conversation? I think this is really important. Sit down and talk to the person. Sometimes when you're standing, it can be confrontational. Sit down and then listen and really try and try to understand the other person, even if you want to jump down their neck. And uh, if you talk for two minutes, listen for four. As you know, people are going to be very passionate um, in their politics. And so just like any other relationship, you have to have big ears. And also uh, you have to make sure that if you get triggered by what they're saying, that it is, doesn't end up in you having to be right. You can agree to disagree, but treat it as any other relationship. Um, you're trying to have a conversation and watch the elevation of your voice, especially if you get triggered and we all get triggered. Watch um, your facial expressions, especially if they're saying something that's really out of orbit for you. But treat that person the way that you would want to be treated. Again, even if they're saying something way, way out of context for you. Very important to treat it just like any other relationship. A tool I like to use when having these conversations and something that we used back in my high school, we had a Dare to Be Real club, which I forget the person who came up with that philosophy, but we use like the four components of a courageous conversation and it's believing, thinking, feeling, and doing. And I think once you address where the person is coming from, if they're coming from a more like moral religious background or the intellectual or like just an action like once you realize where they're coming from with their viewpoints then you're able to identify where you're coming and then you're able to have a more productive conversation because you kind of understand each other at a more ground level and also just realizing that you can have a conversation but you have to accept and expect non-closure maddie hit it on the head i would just say expect the fact that you're not always going to be able to change someone's mind um, but the idea is that your conversation, as Rodney pointed out, will lead to additional thought that may influence their decisions at a later point. All right. Um, so we are actually at time. But if you wouldn't mind, I think a good way to end this um, is I have a, uh, a, a big overarching question um, that I would like to get all the speakers thoughts on. Um, uh, and that is, uh, there is a something of a culture of apathy around voting, especially in youth. Um, where, you know, it isn't normalized for young people to, to go out and vote. So uh, I suppose my, my final question to, to all of you speakers would be, uh, how do we confront and overcome that culture of apathy? I'll say that it starts with people like you. Quite honestly, the conversations that will be had by the people who are participating today, the people who are in clubs and organizations that you all are a part of, the people that you see on a daily basis, whether it be at work or at school in a classroom setting, or even virtually for that matter at this point, um, it, it kind of all starts really with you. When we do phone banking, we call it kind of vote tripling, where you know you tell someone and then they bring three friends with them. That's the whole idea, even with that conversation. If you can have a conversation, whether it be about a voter registration deadline, whether it be about a mail-in ballot deadline or requesting your mail-in ballot or what a process is to become more civically involved and engaged, that's helpful. If you go out to volunteer, invite your friends to come out and volunteer with you so that they can be experienced 
experienced and get some knowledge in the same way that you plan to get knowledge um, through that form of service and volunteer work. And then I think lastly, for me, I would say, quite honestly, just jump in head first. Any opportunity that you see that can allow you to engage or connect with someone else who may have um, a similar mindset or a similar ideology um, around issues and things that matter to you, connect with those folks and jump in head first. I'll agree with, with uh, Professor Floyd um, that it starts with you and, and by um, really pulling those people in around you to understand the issues. And one of the biggest things, if you don't vote collectively, what you don't like, what's happened with you is gonna continue. And it might continue even much longer because you didn't vote. But because you do vote collectively, you're gonna make an impact. Make sure that, that you involve them in some research aspects uh, of the voting piece. Really important to get them involved in understanding how powerful the youth vote is. I think if everybody can touch the lives of the circle around them and express that message to that circle, it'll be a ripple effect. Uh, and the youth will become, instead of being more apathetic, will really understand that they are really shaping the future for themselves and others. Can I also add something into that, a, a plug for the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative? There are uh, tools on our website that you can go and see how to get involved and to um, understand uh, the voting process. And that'll be at nmbvc.org. I guess I'll just uh, kind of add that, um, let your passion speak for itself and don't be afraid to ask. Oftentimes all people are just, people are just waiting to be asked you know, help me man this voter registration table. Hey, can you help me hand out these flyers? So don't be afraid to ask. And I think that's probably be one of the good, one of the best things to help in terms of uh, countering uh, apathy. Uh, Maddie, Mia, Aaliyah, do you have any thoughts? Just don't be afraid, just, just go head first because sometimes it can be scary, especially when speaking about the things that deeply affect you. It, it can be scary and it, it can be, you know, it's, it's hard, but um, you know, when you're passionate about something, you know, your, your passion will speak for itself and those doors will open. So I would just say, even if you're scared, just do it. Uh, Mia or Maddie, do you have any concluding thoughts? Um, I also agree. I think it's important to go out there and start to have those conversations because I think someone acknowledged this in their speech that um, quite honestly, like people who are in this room today, are going to go out there and vote but it's important that we all collectively take a pledge today to go and talk to five more people about this and make sure that they continue to take that pledge to go and talk to five more people and that's really how you reach the population that wouldn't normally be voting um so yeah i really encourage all of you to do that i didn't expect to go like leave this meeting this motivated but i'm like yeah i'm gonna go talk to five people and make them vote because i can't but yeah, so if we can all do that, I think we can truly make a difference. Yeah, I think just continuously having those conversations with your friends and family, even when they feel redundant, they're still important. And to talk to the family members who you may avoid at Thanksgiving or all, just everybody who you don't wanna to talk to, talk to and have the conversations because even if it's nonpartisan, it's still important just in voting, like talking about it in a partisan fashion. 
and getting them to just vote is so important. Thank you to all of the speakers. I very much appreciate your time. Uh, I'm very happy you're all able to come and talk to us. Thank you to all of the speakers who participated in this discussion. And a special thank you to Andrew Schumann and Lainey Baylor of NMPIRG for helping to bring this discussion to the airwaves. Here is Vote Baby Vote by D-Light. Grab a pen and a pad because election facts are coming up. Welcome back to Generation Justice. Now that we've heard about the importance of voting in this and every election, it's time to get to the facts. Let's join Barbara Ramirez for election facts. Let's get to those election facts. If you haven't registered to vote yet, you can same-day register in person until Saturday, October 31st. And if you're hoping to avoid the crowds, consider early voting at your nearest polling location. Early voting begins Saturday, October 17th and concludes Saturday, October 31st. Are you planning on casting an absentee ballot? Your request will need to be submitted to your county clerk by Tuesday, October 20th. But remember, requesting as soon as possible is the best way to get your ballot on time. No matter how you choose to vote, make sure your ballot is returned before November 3rd. That's election day. It is going to take longer to count the votes and verify a winner in this year's election. People will be voting absentee more than ever before because of the coronavirus. Election officials are being careful to stay socially distanced and are sometimes working with reduced staff. We need to be patient so that they can take the time to make sure every eligible vote is counted accurately. However you choose to vote, please make sure your voice is heard. Now, let's get back to music. Here is Voto Latino by Molotov. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of civic engagement. We'd like to thank tonight's speakers, Alia Quintana, Joe Stars, Mia Amin, Rodney Bowe, Madeline Pukiti, and Sean Floyd. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Kater Izuni, Barbara Ramirez, and Roberta Rayel. Shout out to all of our youth producers and to KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners.
You can find us at generationjustice.org and listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlists on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Guanalma Health Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by POD. Our last song of the night is Vote by Janae Aiko. I'm Antonio Garcia. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at seven o'clock. Good night. And in the words of Larry J. Sabato, every election is determined by those who show up. I just want to focus on my goal, yeah. Because now I'm holding up, but I ain't know so many things were going to hold me up. Wanted to rock the vote when I was growing up. Now they hit the re-rock, how they slow me up. I just want to get to the ballot. I just want to feel like I'm valid. Put in my vote, I can have it. But that shouldn't feel like magic. Best way to make my voice heard and that should be automatic That's my American right I just wanna focus on my voice